Hi, Eric. Hey, how's it going? Excellent. How are you, Aaron? Um, good. Hey, so did you know oh, that um, John Widstow? You John know, Widstow, yeah. Do you know John Widstow? The scientist apostle. The scientist apostle. One of them. Of course. Yeah. And it's been a while. We recommended against flour? F-L-O-U-R? Yeah. He was cutting edge. <laughs> Enriched flour. Yeah. Yeah. In 1930, he published a tract entitled The Word of Wisdom, which interdicted the use of refined flour and foods and all drinks containing substances that are unnaturally stimulating. Uh. Yep. And then... How in, did he... Well, never mind. Go ahead. Uh, well, I don't know much about John Widstow. <laughs> it sounds like you do, though. I know a little bit about him, yeah. He seemed like... I think you would like him. Yeah? Yeah. I think, I think if you read more Widstow, you would be a fan. Okay. He said um, they called upon um, the President Grant, and they asked their, his permission to use his tract and to get the first presidency to invest in their Nature's Way health food company. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And was Grant, he an apostle at the time? Um, I don't know if he was an apostle at the time. Because that seems like a real conflict of interest. <laughs> it does a bit. And Grant refused. Um. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like something he would refuse. Although the principle sounds like something he would be into. Like, yeah. I mean, well, he said, that, them... he said that this was he, the, 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 um, the pamphlet and their campaign might be criticized because the actual teachings in the Word of Wisdom would hardly justify the conclusions that they drew. Which is interesting. Yeah. Um, Word of Wisdom it, it, it has a fascinating history. It does. Yeah, sure it does. And I thought it would be a good, a good touchstone like to start like the topic, which is um, commandments that are changing over the years. Or, yeah, or that, or that we have a lot of discretion. Yeah, discretionary in interpretation, which I think is one of the most cool parts. Like I love this aspect of our church. Yeah, the fact that um, there are rules and regulations, but a lot of it is really open and and mutable and and um, in open to interpretation. Yes, in some ways. Well, I mean, I am a lit major, so everything's open to interpretation, Aaron. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do we go? How do we start? Um, well, the Book of Mormon, I mean, the Book of Mormon. Oh, I should say, I was quoting from uh, The Word of Wisdom from Principle to Requirement by Thomas G. Alexander, an article published in our home network, Dialogue. Dialogue! <laughs> Thank you, Dialogue. In 1981. Yeah, that was a while ago. I think that was before their podcast. But I'm sure their podcast has, has mentioned the word wisdom at least once, though I have not heard that episode. Um, well, how about I tell you what it currently says in the official handbook of instructions. Okay, go for this it. This is from handbook 2, uh -huh. 21.3.11. Okay, good. The word of wisdom. Uh -huh. The only official interpretation of, quote, hot drinks, unquote... In the word of wisdom is the statement made by early church leaders that the term, quote, hot drinks, unquote, means tea and coffee. Members should not use any substance that contains illegal drugs, nor should members use harmful or habit-forming substances except under the care of a competent physician. Yeah, I love that. Um, that is, that's it. That's all it says. Yes, that, that's all the handbook says. Mm -hmm. What's handbook two? Handbook two is the second handbook. Okay. The sequel to Handbook 1, which was good, but I think we can all agree the sequel was actually better in this case. <laughs> um, yeah, Handbook 2 is what the bishops, well, it's what, like, rank-and-file members of the church use to, like... 
It is open. Yeah, it's available to everyone. It's open source. Unlike the super secretive other one. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, word of wisdom. It has this long and interesting history. And yeah. it is has not been observed the same way through the course of the church, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, so um, my ancestor, Jose Stout, mm -hmm. who will uh, play a more prominent role if we ever do the episode on who I want to do, mm -hmm. um, was one time going to a party in Nauvoo, and he was assigned by the elders quorum to bring the beer. <laughs> That's exciting. Yes. Um, an unusual assignment uh -huh. uh, to, to contrast that with when 1999, mm -hmm. um, October, November, I am in a BYU ward, singles ward, and we have a, uh, the, the leader of the activities in our ward is from Virginia, and he has an actual accent and everything. Ah, and he's talking about all the great stuff that we're going to have at this social event, including lots of booths. And we all heard booze. We're like, well, a lot of, a lot of, and he's like, and we all said, what? The whole ward at once. And he's like, booze. We're going to have lots of booze. Now, fun linguistic thing. So in my accent, and I'm assuming yours, yeah. we, if you want to talk about a little, a little, a little tiny thing where you sell stuff, we might call it a booth. Yes, we would. And No way. That's what he was saying? Because the TH in booth, as we pronounce it, is non-voiced, we yeah. add the S sound to the end, so it would be pronounced booths. Yeah. But being from Virginia, he used the voice TH sound, which is booth, mm -hmm. and so he had a Z sound at the end to pluralize it, which sounds like booths. It sounds like booths. It did. sounds like booths. <laughs> we were all very perplexed. He didn't know what was going on. We were horrified. That's very different from the 1840s. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, okay. Emma Smith. Right? I know Emma. Didn't like the tobacco. Yes. On the on the floor. This is the old story, right? Right? Mm -hmm. The 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 uh, high priests and elders or whatever would meet together and spit on the floor spit with the tobacco. Spit on the floor. And then uh, Emma would need to go clean fill it up. Fill in the air and, with their smoke. With, you know, uh, and she was like, let's make this not happen so, so gross. much. And, and Joe Smith came back with this revelation. Yeah. On the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. And it has prohibitions. It has some. And it has... Recommendations. Recommendations. Yep. And the prohib and the prohibitions are now currently a requirement for temple attendance. Well, yes, but the the temple question doesn't ask like Aaron. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Did you bring beer to the most recent elders quorum activity? It doesn't ask that. It doesn't right? ask that. It just asks if <laughs> I forget the exact phrasing now. But do you observe the word of wisdom? Yeah, and you don't have to. And it doesn't. And, it, and if you don't know what then what we're talking about, in order to enter the temple, you have to pass an interview, right? Yes, which yeah. is self-evaluative in nature. Because yeah. no one's checking your work. No one's checking your work. You just answer the question. Do you obey the word of wisdom? Yeah. And the answer is either yes or no, right? That's right. And it, it didn't used to be a requirement for temple attendance. But for the last, like, what, 100 years maybe? Uh, I believe, I believe... President Grant, President Grant is the start of that, though. I did not do research on that question. So. Yeah. But long enough that it makes an interesting history yeah. of how you get from point A to point B, where it was a principle and a promise, Yes. which is the language used in the actual revelation. revelation. Yes. And now where Given, it is... Uh, it's set by greeting, you know, not by commandment or constraint or anything <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. now, yeah. now it is. So yes. this article by um, uh, blah, 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 that I mentioned earlier, 
The dialogue article. The dialogue article. Dialogue. Dialogue. Um, the, <laughs> um, the, it, the, the idea behind it was yeah. to trace when the development. and how the well, transition was. I'm glad you didn't was. share this with me ahead of time because now <laughs> I can be amazed at all your wisdom. Yeah, it's great. Well, look, look full disclosure, I didn't read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long article. <laughs> look, a lot of research, a lot of scholarly, there's no figures either. I'm used to a paper with figures. Yeah, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, so shortly after, I wanted to quote this one particular part okay. of the article. I am okay? listening. In the latter case, this is right after the thing about flour. Okay. Right? In the, oh, and you said an interesting, you think that maybe he was ahead of his time, right? Have you, have you run into anyone who is freaked out about gluten? Yeah. I also, have. also I learned from the great work of, um, American ingenuity Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes. That bread makes you fat. <laughs> which is very upsetting. Listen, that... Also, I don't know if we can say that's American ingenuity, because Edgar Wright is British, and Michael Sarah is Canadian. Yeah, well, it's but, a collaboration. Yeah. One of the best movies ever. It No, absolutely. We can do a whole episode on that. <laughs> Maybe we should. Yeah. In the latter case, quoting from the article, talking about flour, yeah. it, is pro it seems probable that scientific evidence on the harmful effects of certain types of food and additives played an influential role in the attempt... To broaden the coverage of he the was word a scientist. of wisdom, right? By the same token, similar scientific evidence also seems to have played an important role in the developing insistence that members abstain from tea, coffee, tobacco, and liquor, mm -hmm. right? Sure. What role did revelation play in the matter? All right. This is the interesting question. It is clear. I'm, some, I'm paraphrasing now that section 89, the word of wisdom, is a principle and a promise. Yeah. Right. When did it become a commandment? Where is the revelation that made that change happen? Well, I've already given you my guess, mm -hmm. but to talk a little bit more about President Grant, mm -hmm. um, he's also the one from whom the anti-Coke feeling sort of originates, more yeah, or less. Yeah, okay, yeah. He, um, he was really into prohibition. He felt really betrayed, <clears throat> excuse me, he felt really betrayed by the saints when Utah became the state that whose vote overturned prohibition mm, okay. because he was very pro-prohibition. He was very much a man of his time, right? Temperance. Like, temperance, yeah, the temperance unit. He was a teetotaler mm -hmm. and thought everyone else should be as well. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say, right? And I don't... Because early saints used to drink and smoke and do all kinds of things, right? They did, yeah, even though maybe they felt they shouldn't. Yeah, because of, this, uh, because of the word of wisdom. Speaking of Hosea Stout, my illustrious ancestor, yeah. he was the chief of police at Winter Quarters. Wow. Man, that place was full of drunkards. <laughs> you don't hear that very much in Sunday school. <laughs> there were so many drunkards causing problems in Winter Quarters. No way. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Those the good old days. Quoting again from the article. There is, however, no known contemporary evidence of which I am aware that a separate new revelation changed the word of wisdom from a principle with promise to a commandment necessary for full participation in all the blessings of church membership. Right? Yeah, this is the whole policy versus yeah. what is doctrine, what is policy yep. thing. It is, continuing, it is obvious that the Twelve and the First Presidency prayerfully considered the conclusion that it ought to be a binding commandment. Right? Well, I don't think it's any great shock that we are influenced by the times we live in, even if we're an apostle. 
we are creatures of our time. I mean, there's a reason the restoration happened when it happened, right? But this is this is this is basic primary stuff. Like the the way was prepared, you know, America, Great Awakening. Then then you know it all leads up to the millennium eventually, <laughs> which is a real thing. Um, of course. So, but, but okay. Yeah. So, it, it, so I mean, I don't think there's anything <laughs> distressing about about policy being affected by the times we live in. Mm -hmm. um, well, I was but actually... that's not a solid. But that's but if you want a really solid answer, like this is what the prophet of God says, that maybe isn't the answer you're looking for. Right. This this goes back to our canonization topic. Right. Yes. What we it is fun as a member of the church to really look for primary sources for policy. Sure. And where a primary source here means doctrine, right? Um, I, uh, right? I don't know. But this is what this guy's point is, is that you really right. can't look at it that way for most policies. You have to look at a larger perspective, okay? Right. Um, in fact, the conclusion paragraph says, the student of Latter-day Saint doctrinal and policy development will paint a more detailed picture if he conceives his tasks more broadly than the narrow context of looking only at the scriptures and public statements of church leaders. It is a study of interpretation of what the word of wisdom can tell us of anything, is that it's, such change does not play, take place in a vacuum, right? So the idea yeah. is that you can't just base your understanding of what we've been taught to do based on looking at just the scriptures. You have to look at all the evidence, right? Yes. And the evidence is complicated. Um, recently, I don't know, the, the August, August 2019 New Era, included a little tiny article about the Word of Wisdom. Uh -huh. It made explicit that vaping is against the Word of Wisdom. Excellent. Although that's clearly and obviously not <laughs> in the Word of Wisdom as, yeah. you know. But Electri I'm, right. And I'm, I'm pro-anti-vaping, to be clear. But it's like uh, Captain America says. It seems to run on some form of electricity. <laughs> um, it also includes an... And it says things like, watch out, coffee isn't always in the name of drinks that have coffee in it. Um, which is interesting because... Well, we'll talk about hot drinks in a minute, I'm sure. Um, it warns you, just be careful. Maybe don't even go into coffee shops. It's too dangerous. Uh, but the top, the topic I'm most interested in is what it has to say about green tea and black tea. Okay. It says they're both from the same plant, the same leaves, just they're prepared differently so it's bad how is one prepared versus the other do you know yeah black tea is fermented ahead of time uh-huh okay um and it says that in the article so even if i didn't know i could have faked it right now but i knew aaron i knew <laughs> good you're prepared <laughs> um, when i was a missionary in korea yeah 1995 to 1997 all the stuff we had officially published by the church used the word for black tea when teaching the Word of Wisdom, what, how the Word of Wisdom is interpreted. Coffee and black tea are against the Word of Wisdom, not okay. green tea. Mm -hmm. um, I was involved, when this article in the New Era came out, I was involved in a little conversation uh, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it made it sound like maybe that is not, uh, like, like, just as we have in America, mm -hmm. you know, I think the Coca-Cola example maybe is a good one. Yeah. Where some people are very religious about not drinking Coke. That's right. Um... I don't know if I've ever tasted Coke. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm not like very religious about it. Yeah. But like I um, I sort of grew up being very religious about the anti-Coke thing. Yeah. I don't like the smell of cola drinks. Mm -hmm. I've tasted a couple. I've had RC Cola mm -hmm. when I was about eight years old. And then I've tasted a couple other colas. And sometimes I've like, you know, 
But but yeah, I've never. I I couldn't really. If you gave me a Coke right now, I would not be sure that's what it was. Because <laughs> I just don't know. And, and I'm not... And, like, why would I need to learn to like it now, right? Yeah. Like, why do I need another kind of sugar water that I like? Like, there's there's no reason to learn to like Coke at this point. Um, it's interesting. That is... I feel like that's really a generational thing. It probably is. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I think most people our age and younger don't care. Yeah. My, 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 my opinion... My thought is that it's probably about half. About half of Mormons drink Coke, no problem. Yeah, do you, do you mean think? American Mormons specifically? Well, or? American Mormons, sure. Yeah. Anyway, my comparison is I think green tea in Korea was probably like that. Yeah. Where if you'd served a mission in America and you knew that Americans interpreted tea to mean all things from the tea plant, mm -hmm. you probably um, wouldn't drink green tea. And it might be a way to feel better than other people, right? Like a little <laughs> more righteous, which is always a valuable opportunity. Um, and the argument now is since this appeared in the new era... And now it's now it's doctrine. Okay. T is T. T is T. I don't know. I don't know the New Era articles have that much staying power. And I don't really know. Like, I haven't been to Korea in 20 years. I don't really know. Do you have a quote? Uh, from the article? Yeah. Sure. I can, I can read you the whole paragraph. It's short. Okay. Green tea and black tea are both made from the leaves of the exact same tea plant. The only difference is that the leaves in black tea are fermented, and in green tea, they're not. Mm -hmm. They're both tea, and against the word wisdom. Bop, bop, bop. Some drinks have tea in them, but don't advertise that fact, so always check the ingredients. Also, iced tea is still tea. I'm surprised it doesn't mention kombucha, almost all of which contains black tea, but not all. Almost yeah, all. I always and never really knew what that stuff was. trace amounts of alcohol. Oh, man, it's a double header. Yeah, I double mean, whammy. probably less alcohol than from all the cookie dough I eat, but yeah. speaking of, I, I totally <laughs> forgot that I wanted to talk about this. Okay. But among <laughs> other people, yeah. uh, currently living... First Presidency member, Dallin H. Oaks, is one of the people who said this, but he's not the only one. Okay. Um, if you can eat it with a fork, it's not against the word of wisdom. If you can eat it with a fork. Yeah. So cookie dough, uh -huh. not against the word of wisdom. <laughs> Tiramisu, you're wait, fine. Wait, I don't understand this, this quote. Edibles. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Is it... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that Elder Oaks would agree about, about <laughs> marijuana brownies. I'm, I don't want to put words be. into his mouth. No, it is. Like, um, this can't be a thing. It is. Have you never heard this before? I've never heard this quote. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard it so many times. And um, Elder Oaks is one of the people I can nail down as actually having said it. Uh -huh. um, if it's, but if I've heard it from a number of people. If you eat it with a fork, it's not against the word of Yeah, and, and it predates Elder Oaks. Uh -huh. it, it, um, so when I go to... President I... McKay also uh -huh. like, went by this philosophy. I'm always asking my friends at work if yeah. the cake that they brought is Mormon friendly. Oh, For yeah. one thing, I enjoy being it, the peculiar nature it, uh, of that question. Well, I think that's one of the purposes of the Word of Wisdom is yeah. to make us peculiar. I've always thought that too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you read between the lines, one of the I think one of the reasons they don't drop it, right? Besides the fact that you know it's a commandment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that this? Is that, or at yeah, the very this, least, it's scripture. At the very least, it's scripture. Is that uh, yeah? It makes us. I think it's one of the things that sets us apart. In fact, this another. Well, quote, the destroying angel shall pass us by, right? It's <laughs> it's our Passover. It is okay. Hold that thought for a second. I just wanted to read this other last little quote from this article, right? Um, he also said that um, the decisions made under the confluence of these forces, referring to politics and. Scripture. And this is back to the dialogue. Back article. to the dialogue. Have had an important long-range effect since nothing was since possible. No. Since nothing. Sorry, that pause there. It's like since nothing. Wow. <laughs> sorry. Okay, maybe. I, I don't know what that means. But that it. seems a very okay. significant statement. I'll try it again. <laughs> Have had an important long-range effect since nothing, with the possible exception of the wearing of the temple garments, 
serves to distinguish Latter-day Saints from the larger community more than does the observance I think, of the Word of I Wisdom. I think the Word of Wisdom does more, frankly. Than the, well, of course, I think nobody it's more visible. It's not, it's not as constant, maybe. Yeah. But um, it comes up. I teach high school. Yeah. It comes up in class every once in a while that I've never had an alcoholic beverage, which yeah. always amazes my students. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it will come up that I'm Mormon. Now it always does because my son is the same age as all the students I have this semester. Okay. So they know that about him. So they yeah. make the conclusion. And it happened maybe three or four weeks ago. And a student in the front row pulled out her phone and started researching the Word of Wisdom. Yeah. And she's like, wow, if you're Mormon, you must eat really healthy. Yeah. And I, was, and I, I said, yes, if you do what it says, you eat really healthy. But um, yeah. yeah. But the number of Mormons who, um, <laughs> you can have my hamburger when you pry it from my cold dead fingers, Mormons are definitely out there. Even well, though I'm not sure the word of wisdom goes for that, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> the word yeah. of wisdom. Okay. So can you answer me this question? So let's talk about meat, right? Accurately or just give you an answer? You can give me, I don't care. Either way, right. it's fine. So you give me, so there's uh, the thing about meat in the yeah, word of meat. wisdom, right? And eat very little meat, which, as the song says. Yeah, that's, oh my gosh, I cannot <laughs> sing that song without laughing, but and go ahead. Eat very little meat. Okay, so that was like the hymn. Okay, so um, it says, eat meat sparingly, except in times of winter, right? Yes. And famine and things like that. I have a fun little thing about that. Is, is it about a comma? It's about the comma, yeah. Tell me about the comma, because I've heard that, the, that there used to be a comma. Um, right, so the comma, hang on, I'm, am I looking at the right? Oh, here it is. This is in verse 13, which says, And it's pleasing unto me that they, meaning the flesh of beasts and fowls, should not be used only in times of winter or of cold or famine. So there's a comma after used, um, which suggests that they should not be used. And then in this, with the comma there, only means except. Except if it's times of winter, cold, or famine. That's when it's okay to eat the flesh of beasts and, and birds. Uh, there have been versions of the Doctrine and Covenants without that comma. And in that case, it's saying, you shouldn't just use this stuff when it's cold. Meat's good. <laughs> Go for Eat it. Eat a cow, Mormons. Uh, and that's, that's what, what I've heard. I've yeah. heard this before. Um, so the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, good, because I like meat. But, you know, the everybody else who lives in my house completely disagrees with me. And I like meat. Mm -hmm. And if you put it in front of me, I will eat it because mm -hmm. I like it. Uh, but if I never had meat again, I don't think I would miss it that much. Okay, well, I would. But I have uh -huh. a story about this. Yeah, go ahead. So one of the podcasts I listen to is called Hello Internet. And it's one Hello of my, Internet. It's it is one the of my one favorites. that we base our um, strange <laughs> editing philosophy on. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. love that show. And I, I took a lot of uh, advice from them. They don't know it. but <laughs> <laughs> Hello Internet. <laughs> but um, one recently on an episode, uh, the guy, uh, CPG Gray, CPG Gray, yep. what a nice name. I was talking about meat because yeah. the other podcast host, Brady, has recently become vegetarian. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, Not strictly, but fairly vegetarian. Fairly, as he's a social meat eater. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, that's a good way to describe yeah. it, I think. Um, and, you know, what Gray's comment was that he eats meat, he's not going to stop eating meat, mm -hmm. right? But he feels that at some point in the future, like yeah. maybe 100 years from now, you know, society will look back on us and see us with, see how we treated animals yeah. and how we ate meat with the same kind of abhorrence that we look on earlier practices from people in our past. I think that's extremely likely. Yeah, because well, because of we'll have things like vat-grown meats and more ethical ways coming any day now. Yeah, and we'll have this ability to not 
torture animals for our food. <laughs> right, and poisoning the air through yeah. our process of torturing animals. Yeah. So I'm not a vegetarian. I have no intention of becoming a vegetarian. I love meat. I don't care about this comma. <laughs> and um, this, and the church hasn't told me not to yet. And the, I mean, there's the there's the, the question about there's this there's this thing and there's this thing and it says eat meat sparingly. Yeah. And there have been plenty of church leaders that have said the same thing in the past that have said like you know watch your meat president intake. kimball does not like you killing the little birds right. Aaron. <laughs> okay yeah. i haven't done it personally <laughs> well actually if i could jump in here i think you should uh-huh um you think i, I have... should go kill Is yeah i absolutely think so i think i think that one of the problems with the way we eat meat as modern, modern Americans, mm -hmm. is we are totally disconnected from the cycle of life and death. Yeah. I think if you're going to be a carnivore, you got to kill animals now and then. Uh -huh. um, I have not done it very often, but I have yeah. killed a chicken uh -huh. and then like plucked it and eaten it. Yeah. Um, I was not good at killing a chicken. Yeah. Um, I told the story on YouTube once and people complained it got yanked. <laughs> but um, it's still on the internet if you look hard enough. You can find the story of me killing the chicken. I wasn't very good at killing chickens. Uh, but I do think it's important that if we're going to actually kill things and eat them, that yeah. we recognize the reality of that. I think you got to get your hands bloody now and then, mm -hmm. or I, I think you're, I think it's less ethical to eat meat if you've never killed anything. There's a great Kurgazot video on it about meat. Oh. We'll put it in the show your notes. Your old pals, yeah. Yep. And just as an aside, um, if you don't know, we have lots of show notes. Lots of show notes. Like everything we say, we put references for. Yes. Usually. Pretty much. <laughs> if we forget something, just complain. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, anyway. So, okay, so Word of Wisdom, meat, um, it's changed a lot over the years mm -hmm. from, well, it hasn't really changed a lot. It's essentially, its enforcement has changed. Very early on, it was tea and coffee. Very early on, it, w it was, um, you know, do eat meats and vegetables, yeah. eat well, and um, and it has, so Well, the meanings the of word change changed. too, right? Like, like, it says in the Word of Wisdom, you can drink mild drinks. Mm -hmm. which, according to the understandings of the 1830s and 40s, would mean include beer, right? Beer was a soft drink. What we now call soft drinks, mild drinks, that is the same thing. Mm -hmm. But now, because of prohibition and the way prohibition changed the language, uh, soft drink means no alcohol whatsoever. Yeah. That's what soft drink means. It used to mean lightly alcoholic. Yeah. I was just talking with a friend. Actually, I believe a mutual friend. You know Brian. Brian. I don't, yeah, know, I don't know if he wants yeah. us to identify him. Yeah because he's kind of a, mutual, a big shot now. A mutual, mutual, mutual acquaintance. Hey, yeah. Brian, how's it going? We won't identify you by last name. Yeah. Um, he's kind of a big deal. Um, anyway, he it's his theory, and I don't know of any evidence that he's correct, but you know how Utah had, until recently, had the lower legal alcohol limit for beer? For something we sold as beer, it had to have a lower alcohol Dude, limit. I'm, was it 0.05? I don't know what it was. Dude, I missed that question on my driver's test just like a week ago. Oh, I, I always miss that one. Like, I couldn't remember. Why do BAC. I need to know that? I'm, yeah. not, I'm not testing Can my I just, blood before the, I get in the car. Where's the Am Mormon yeah, option right. on that just, question? Or just, <laughs> uh, yeah, option E, like just never drink. That's also okay. <laughs> I hate that stupid question. Always get that one wrong. Yeah. My wife got that wrong when she took the test earlier this year. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, oh, his theory is yeah. that, that the reason for the lower alcoholic limit in Utah was that it was low enough that people would consider it qualified as a mild drink. Mm -hmm. So Utah beer with the lower alcohol limit mm -hmm. would have been a mild drink according to the word of wisdom, according to an earlier interpretation. Uh, I don't have evidence for that claim, yeah, but it's compelling and it's interesting. Yeah. I doubt it. Yeah. I don't think it's true, but it totally could be. Um, so the enforcement has changed and now we have it the way it is and I think it's pretty great.
Um, there's studies, you know, read the Wikipedia article on the on Word of Wisdom. There's been studies that show that Mormons live longer. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how up to date those are. Well, is that still true? Um, studies that they live longer. Um, well, we, there's a, here we go. We can just I can just quote it. Up and up and up. Health studies. There was a 1987 um, uh, uh, study, right? That concluded that that talked about this, and then there was a more up-to-date study as well. Uh, when, when's the more up-to-date one from? Um, let's see. Nineteen eighty. Well, nineteen eighty-nine. I guess maybe that's not so up-to-date. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I want that to be true, of course, but I think the... that it's coming back to the peculiar thing. I don't think it matters. Yeah. I don't really think that's the point of the word of wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, you know, it's a nice benefit. Yeah, I'm, but, well, but the thing is, if, if your point. testimony of the Word of Wisdom is based on me living longer than my neighbor, yeah. that's that's not a what is great the, testimony. I think it's worth redoubling on that. So, if the Word of Wisdom said, you know, don't eat specifically red delicious apples. Right, okay. Right? Because they are terrible. Yeah, Let's, they are the worst kind of apple. Yeah, very bad. So, don't eat those, right? And scientifically, you could say, well, there's nothing really different between a red and a green apple, That's except true. a little bit of the flavor, right? And a lot I of bought the flavor. I Arkansas Black last week. I've never, it was delicious. I've never heard of that kind of Way better than a red delicious. <laughs> but the point is that is God said, no, that's the point. Right, that's the point. I mean, the same it's, thing with the Jewish... It's a lot Jewish... of Levitical stuff. Yeah, it's Leviticus, right? And a lot of it probably made sense 3,000 years ago, but yeah. I don't know if it still does. It must not, or we would still not um, eat sure. So on the spectrum. Oh, speaking of, I think tattoos are on the way out. <laughs> none of my kids seem to have, none of my kids understand why they can't get tattoos. So I, I don't, I don't think that prohibition is going to last through Gen Z. Is it actually a prohibition? No, it's all, but it's, it's cultural prohibition. Well, sure, but is it part of the BYU Honor Code, for example? I don't think so. So yeah. I'm quite sure it's not. Yeah, I mean, I most of the, it seems like a lot of the people I work with. It might be tattoos. BYU Idaho. <laughs> they might be have it officially. Yeah, but uh, not not BYU Provo. So on the things we're going to talk about today, Word of Wisdom is actually, I think, on the more restrictive end, right? Yeah, probably. We've got, um, there's a bit of interpretation with Coke, but most of, yeah, the, but most I mean, of the rest of it is pretty I don't think anyone really has a leg to stand on to say the yeah. Word of Wisdom is opposed to Coke. Like, you can interpret it that way. I certainly have my own idiosyncratic interpretations of the Word of Wisdom. Mm -hmm. I don't drink hot drinks. Just anything that's hot. Yeah, and I have my that, scientific reasons. That does Drinking feel hot fairly. causes throat cancer. That does feel okay. Well, that's interesting. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's idiosyncratic. Like I. Yeah. I I wait for things to cool down before I drink them. <laughs> President Ezra Taft Benson. Oh, this guy. In 1986. Yeah, I have a comment, but go ahead. When I was about nine years old. Nine years old in 1986. Yeah. So I would have been, and I'm pretty sure. I was too. It was I'm, four months before my birthday. I'm pretty sure that I heard this general conference address. I almost certainly was listening to it in my basement. Yeah. Said. No memory of it. Don't see rated R movies or vulgar videos or participate yeah. in any entertainment that is immoral, <clears throat> suggestive, or pornographic. Don't listen to music that is degrading. May I ask you a question? Yeah. Does it matter who he was talking to? It does, I think. He was talking to youth, wasn't he? Yes. Tonight, I would like to speak directly to you, young men of the Aaronic Priesthood. Youngest men, maybe. Well, okay, Aaronic yeah. Priesthood is 12 to 18, right? I don't know. 1986 was a long time ago. Who knows? <laughs> it was 12 to 18. 
<laughs> Do you have a source for that, Aaron? That hasn't changed. <laughs> um, now it's 11 to 18. Listen, this stuck, this one yeah. hit me, okay, when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I Prophet, took this one very seriously. The Prophet said, don't watch rated R movies. It was out of the First Strength of the Youth pamphlet by 1990. When 1990? We were yeah, it was 19, out? The 1990 version does not include this. See, I was looking, so I read the 2011 version. So the For the Strength of Youth pamphlet, by yeah. the way, if you don't know, is this non-canonized yes. <laughs> set of, of recommendations. That is for youth, even though some adults do weird things with it. Yeah, but it is good. It's really good. When I was a kid, I thought it was really useful. They're principles. They're principles. They're and I, but I principles. but but listen, I latched onto them. I did too, but but I don't know that it was it's mostly because it was pushed onto me so much. Mm -hmm. You know how if you have two small bars of soap and you squeeze them together long enough they'll become a single bar of soap? Yes. I feel like that's what happened to me in the first strength of youth family. <laughs> I didn't reach out for it really. It was yeah. just squeezed into me. Yeah, where nowadays I don't know if my kids have, have, would even be able to point to it, it on a map. It has not been updated since 2011, yeah. which suggests, I mean, that was only eight years ago. It hasn't but, been updated very often. Yeah. Uh, there is a Wikipedia article on the fourth of strength of, of youth there is. pamphlet. Actually, I saw that in Google when I was trying to find a, a PDF. And I, I did find one, which will be in the links to the 1990 version, which is how I know the 19. I couldn't find the one immediately before that. 1965 cover art is particularly good. Well, there was no such scene as an R-rated movie in 1965. <laughs> so, okay, so this pamphlet said don't watch rated R movies when I was a kid, and then President Taft, No, well, yes. President Benson. 1990, the time you became a teacher, Yeah. it was no longer in the first strength of youth pamphlet. But mm -hmm. I imagine you continued to hear that oh, yeah. advice. I certainly did. Yeah, and it stuck with me. So mm -hmm. to this day... I don't watch rated R movies. This is your hot drinks. This is my hot drinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I know you, Eric, as one of the one of the yeah. um, facilitators of the Berkeley Ward uh, Movie Not Club. Not an official ward activity. <laughs> the the movie club here. Yes. Um, every every month. Every month, and it seems like nine times, like maybe seven times out of ten, the movie's rated R. Uh, maybe. Should, would you like to know the actual stats? Sure. Um, so so for the first year. How many did that come to? Seven, seven yeses and five R's. I mean, so, seven not R's and five R's. So about fifty, right? about fifty percent. So yeah, approximately. Um, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Actually, before I ask you this, let me tell you that one of the movies we watched last year yeah. was Silence, okay. Martin Scorsese's film about uh, Portuguese uh, Portuguese Catholic missionaries mm -hmm. in Japan. Yeah. And. Um, I first saw that movie in theaters because a couple guys in the ward said, hey, let's go see Silence. And I said, okay, and I went and nobody else showed up. But I'm really glad <laughs> because it was such an intense and powerful experience. Like, I didn't want to talk to anybody afterwards. Like, mm -hmm. I couldn't talk for a long time. I never thought I'd watch that movie again. Mm -hmm. um, but then the film club chose it, and I watched it twice in preparation for our discussion. And I have to say that it's among the most powerful religious experiences I've had watching that film. Mm -hmm. It's rated R. Mm -hmm. And it should be rated R. Yeah. Even though it is less violent than a Marvel movie, the violence means something very different in this film than it does in Captain America. Um, it's a powerful, powerful film. And I would recommend it to anyone. And let me ask you this, young man. <laughs> Why should we let a group of Orange County parents yeah. secretly without identities, decide for us, take away our agency and tell us which movies are worth a Mormon person watching and which ones aren't. Why should we let them do that? Why does the MPAA have moral authority over my media choices? Well, this is why I think this one's on the way out. Is that no, it, it's out. It's this, already out throughout the world. It's just lingering in the United States. It's just lingering in these um, kids that were your, your age and my age. Right. You know, I think my 
I think I, I think that it's probably even on the way out for me. I don't mm -hmm. know when the first rated R movie <laughs> I'm going to watch on purpose is going to be, uh -huh. but it wouldn't surprise me if it was in the next few years, and it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen Deadpool. I have not seen it. Like I'm, I just I like I'm tempted like Deadpool and Zombieland. Every yeah. time I flip past them on Netflix, I'm like, not this time. I'm going to stick. To, <laughs> I'm going to stick to my guns this time. But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I. I don't think we have to look hard to find PG-13 movies that are morally bankrupt, mm -hmm. that are worse for your soul than a movie like Silence. The, the, the phrase that you just used, worse for your soul, Yeah. okay? Let's talk about that for a minute. I think we as a church really do believe that images, I would say images more than words, but specifically images, mm -hmm can be harmful to the soul. Yeah. Right? Do you think that's true? Well, yes and no. Mm -hmm. I think it is absolutely true that images you would rather not see can last with you your entire life yeah. and affect you deeply. Shocking. To pick a, to pick a non-pornographic example, which is we're, we're, everyone expects this conversation to go to pornography, so let's yeah. not. Yeah. Um, what about 9-11? Mm -hmm. Those oh. are images I will that are seared into me yeah. and... I will never lose those. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's true. The, my life changed in a significant way on that day. Yeah. And it's because of images. I wasn't mm -hmm. present. I didn't know anyone personally who was killed or um, even experienced severe like uh, difficulties on that day. I, did, I do know people now who live in, who were lived in New York at the time, but at the time I didn't know anybody I at all. Either. And there was nothing personal about it, but those images changed me fundamentally. So... But, agree. Agree completely. So that's my yes. Mm -hmm. My no is that to suggest that the damage to the soul is somehow irreparable is to deny the atonement. Yeah, fair enough. And also, yeah, yes, I think you're absolutely correct. The, also, the fact is that the fact is that there are real problems in the world. Yeah. Right. And there is real emotional things that need to be conveyed through art that can yes. only be conveyed through images. And that move the soul to understand what the world around them, right? And so it's yeah. a real balance, right? Well, speaking of BYU, I wasn't there at the time. Um, but when Schindler's List came out, there was a huge controversy. Like, is it okay to see Schindler's List? Yeah. Because it's an important film, everybody believed. It's a film everyone should see, everyone believed. But it's rated R, and the MPAA gets to tell us what is righteous and what isn't. And there was a great crisis of... Con a similar thing happened when Passion of the Christ came out. Incidentally, I haven't seen either of those movies. Mm -hmm. Um... But I think that's the real danger of the R-rated rule, is it's it's somebody we're letting some other organization tell us what is righteousness, and mm -hmm. I don't think the MPAA deserves that kind of power. That's not our organization, right? It's not our organization, <laughs> and I, I think there's a there's a really good reason why the church, with this example specifically, but also with the Word of Wisdom and with Sabbath observance, which we'll probably get to, there are specific commandments where the church tries really hard not to tell us exactly what right is and what wrong is, and if you accept the basic Latter-day Saint philosophy that agency and exercising our agency is a huge part of the reason we even exist on this earth, then anything that takes away our agency, and I think that's what people liked about the R-rated rule, is like... It took away your... It took away the, de the decision. It took away the decision. Like, yeah. I can go watch... It was um, so easy. Uh, like, Austin Powers was a, 
in a big example at the time. I can go watch Austin Powers, yeah. and it's righteous yeah. because it's rated PG-13. That's right. But you're watching Schindler's List, and you are a wicked person. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's... That's a fairly ridiculous... It's, it's absurd on its face, yeah. right? Um, but I feel good about that, and I can judge you for watching Schindler's List because it's rated R. <laughs> and I think, I think that actually is... And this is obviously my personal opinion, but I, I think the greater sin is is surrendering your agency to the MPAA. And I, I, I'm not complaining about what President Benson said. Well, this I is think what it was a, I mean, he was discussing. saying it to the youth. The MPAA guidelines are designed to help those kind of decisions for youth, right? That's what they're for. Uh, I don't think he ever intended this to become quasi-doctrine. Hmm. It really was quasi-doctrine. Don't see rated R movies. It's huge. Or vulgar videos. Or participate in any entertainment that is immoral, suggestive, or pornographic. And then he also spent a long time, apparently, I haven't re-listened to the article talking about music. Um, mm -hmm. So, so why did he, so it's interesting, why did he say this particularly about R-rated movies? I think that, go ahead. I have heard. I'm, I'm going to, you, you go ahead. I'm going to check if what I'm about to say no, is. I'm asking the question. Oh, okay. Why? did he choose to draw this particular line in the sand? Okay, I have heard a in, rumor. In 1986... Oh, no, it doesn't, doesn't pan out. Oh, it doesn't pan out. It doesn't pan out. Okay. Well, in 1986, um, that wasn't so far away from when the R, -rated, R rating first appeared. Yeah, that was mid-70s, maybe? But it was long enough that people knew what it meant, right? Sure. At so, least for American Mormons. For American Mormons. And the thing is, like, and that's another problem with this is like you can watch The Matrix in Canada because it's rated PG something. I forget the exactly. Uh -huh. But you come to the United States and all of a sudden it's a sin. The Matrix is amazing. It's a great movie. It's rated yeah. R. All right. So <laughs> I've, I think I've seen the TNT version. <laughs> um, so, okay. Anyway, so that's one of the things that's fun. Um, yeah. We don't, uh, I mean, who, who can ever even say why he said it the way he did? I'm sure that um, it was, well, listen. Yeah. If you take this this line and then you, as you say, you abstract a principle from it, yes. then you can be well served. And as you said, the church has backed away from this. Right. And and this is that policy thing and mm -hmm. the being of our moment in time thing. Yeah. It, I think that's why this, it's important to understand this is President Benson was speaking from a specific milieu, which was 1986 America. Yeah. It seemed like a good simple way to explain a principle don't watch r-rated movies and i think it absolutely like sure and i would be very cautious like if you're a teenager today i still think that is an excellent guideline it to is, begin right? your consideration of uh, whether or not you should watch something that's kind of i didn't want to come down on this in this episode and say r-rated movies are great and everybody should watch them yeah <laughs> because they're not they're no, actually they're, uh, there's plenty of trash they're actually saying some there really isn't. they're really bad some really bad yeah. stuff out there okay good um Discretionary commandments. The conversation continues. Where else is this conversation train going to take us? Well, should we leap into the Sabbath? That one's already been mentioned. Okay, yeah. So this is the other, or one of the other really big examples. Thou shalt obey the... Thou shalt what? How does, what does the actual commandment say? Uh, for the, the Ten Commandments? Yeah. I feel like we should quote it directly. Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day and Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Um, is this the KJV? No, this is the New International Version. I Ooh. thought that was a little different. And because we're trying to show our orthodoxy right now, I'm going to the KJV. <laughs> Excellent. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. 
In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So it was practiced differently by the, by the various peoples and religions of the world. It seems like everybody obeys this particular commandment differently. Yes, and that appears to be, um, that, yeah, yeah, that, that appears to be intentional on the part of, of the church to leave that one open for interpretation. Not that there aren't regular See, general conference topics. Yeah, I was referring to the world religions. Oh, the world religions yeah. in general. Oh, so, yeah, it seems like every church out there and not just Christian churches, yeah, seem to obey this particular commandment in a different way, right? Yeah, like the old, you know, the old standby about don't walk too much on the Sabbath, right? In the laws of Judaism, stuff like that. Yeah, right. Um, I, I think Christians, because Jesus was kind of harsh about those kind of things, avoid that but you know you don't have to look hard to find towns that used to have sabbath day laws and certain things couldn't happen on the sabbath so eric can i go surfing on the sabbath um aaron i heard something that i thought thought was really wise once on the radio yeah and i don't want you to dismiss it because it's from the fellow who predicted the rapture in 2012 and a few <laughs> other times and continued to be wrong um, yeah, that's fantastic that you're quoting this guy. This yeah, I used to listen to his show every once in a while because I I, really, I liked him. Like, and it was on one of my AM presets, and I listened to it for like five or ten minutes here or there. All right. Um, but something he said, the only thing I really remember that he said that I thought was really wise was, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but I think it's a really really useful way to think about the Sabbath. Is he said the Sabbath is set apart to be different, and so what should you do on the Sabbath? You should do things you don't do on the other six days. So if um, you don't build furniture on the other six days, then maybe building furniture would be a good thing to do on the Sabbath, right? Because you're doing something different, and it, become, it can become kind of a meditative practice. It can be a way of connecting to the Lord. It's something you dedicate to the Lord, and it's something you're not doing the other six days of the week. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't necessarily mean rest. You're resting from the things you do the other six days. You might be doing anything. You can mm -hmm. do anything as long as it's different. And again, like I'm not necessarily promoting this point of view, but yeah. I think it's a useful way to think about like why are you doing something on the Sabbath? Why are you making the decisions you're making? So what do we teach? Well, there's a lot of teachings. Like I said, general conference, every once in a while somebody will lay out a list of yeses and nos. Mm -hmm. um, Clayton Christensen has the great story about not playing basketball for Oxford on Sunday, mm -hmm. which is a powerful story. Um, but I'm not sure I really believe the message he's... When, when our kids... Aaron, I feel like you know me reasonably well. The people out there in podcast land may not know that I am not a sporty person. Okay. <laughs> um, my parents signed me up for um, baseball when I was a small child, and I did one season and hated it. I, on the instruction of my mother, signed up for cross country in sixth grade and ran... I think two races came in last in both of them and quit. Uh, that same year, I also signed up for basketball and made the third team of the elementary school basketball team and quit after one practice. Like, it just didn't stick. I didn't care. I, I wasn't interested in getting better. Um, my children are all 
extremely athletic, uh -huh. starting with my eldest, who, when he was three years old, asked mommy, when do I get to go to baseball school? Oh, wow. We, this was not our plan. This is yeah. just who our children are. Yeah. Um, they came from heaven trailing <laughs> baseball. Um, and when we first started doing baseball, we had a no baseball on Sunday rule. And then, because baseball is so insanely expensive here in the East Bay, when a lot of baseball started happening on baseball on Sunday, and we realized we're throwing away like hundreds of dollars. If we then we said okay, but not you can't miss church. So that and that's our current policy. You can't do sports during church hours. You have mm -hmm. to go to church. Mm -hmm. If it conflicts with church, you're out. You can go otherwise, but it's just the game and home. Um, that is the compromise we've arrived at. Yeah. This is what's so great about this particular commandment, mm -hmm. right? Is that it is really up to you to figure out how to keep the Sabbath day holy, right? Yeah. So we have some recommendations, you know, mm -hmm. right? We try not to buy groceries, right? This is one of yeah. the things that we do here in conference talks, right? Um, don't work on the Sabbath, you know, for a paycheck if you can avoid it, which is another interesting topic. Lots of people, of course, have to work on the have to work on Saturday. I mean, on Sunday. They do, and I quit a job because I had to work on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But that job was largely it. I mean, I worked at a gas station. It felt like what I was doing all Sunday was selling booze <laughs> and pornography and yeah. lottery tickets. And I was like, I can't do this. I I couldn't that I couldn't do the job. I just didn't feel good about it. You're also in a situation where you could afford to not. Work sure, there. that's true. I was mm -hmm. 22, I think, at the time. So yeah. yeah. It wasn't a big deal. I have to work on Sunday all the time, mm -hmm. and it's because of just my job. It's just my job is when the beam line is on, you go and collect data. That's just how it works. Yeah. This is an all-day, all-night calling sometimes. And, so, and then other times, um, you know, I'm at a conference, and conferences are always scheduled over the weekend, it seems. Yeah. Right? I don't consider myself a non-Sabbath observer. There's a great story from the first generation of Korean saints. Uh, I forget the gentleman's name. We could look it up. But he was in the cabinet of the president at the time. President, the Koreans would pronounce it E would be his last name. They spelled it R-E-H-E-E -E at that time. Now it would be spelled L-E-E. -E. We could look him up. Maybe you want to cut all that. Um, <laughs> the point is, he was a cabinet member, right? This member of the church was a member of the, of the president of North Korea's cabinet. And one time, the president sent people to the local church where he was teaching Sunday school to the young people of the ward. And they said, you need to come. The president needs you now. The president of the country, Aaron, the mm -hmm. president of the country needs you now. Whoa. And he said, fine, but I'm going to finish teaching this lesson first. <laughs> and he finished teaching the lesson, and then he went and helped the president handle the emergency situation. Oh, that's great. And the kids in that class remembered that forever. Mm -hmm. um, one of them goes on to become a general authority. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a very impactful moment. Like, this is an important person. And he demonstrated to them, A, how important church is, mm -hmm. but he didn't neglect his responsibilities either. Like, he, he found a way to do all his responsibilities. And, and he maybe didn't realize it was a big deal at the time, but it was a big deal. Like, that is a foundational pioneer story for Korean saints. That's awesome. Um... Discretionary commandments are one of my favorite parts about the church. Mm. We've talked in the, or over the last two seasons. Uh, this is, what would you think? This is maybe two and a, one and a half seasons now. Yeah, so something like that. Over several several topics that we both had a bit of a problem with, and we wanted to kind of work it out and chew on it, right? Mm -hmm. But this one, 
I love this part of the church. I love the fact that it isn't prescriptive when it seems prescriptive. Yeah, I really feel that a lot of people misunderstand this about the church. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I really do believe that we act on our beliefs that agency is important. And the recent changes to the way some of the um, temple recommend questions are asked, I think, are relevant to this. I think there are ways to make the temple, temple recommend questions much clearer that they're self-evaluation and it's about agency. Mm -hmm. uh, but the changes are in line with that. Because I agree with you. I think that's fundamental to who we are. Self-evaluative. I like that a lot. Um, okay, did we miss anything? Uh, not on my list. All right. So, yeah. Three kinds of discretionary commandments we covered. Word of Three wisdom. Three examples, yeah. Sabbath day. R-rated movies! R-rated movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're a proud member of Dialogue. That's right. We are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> go and listen Everyone to their... Everyone in Dialogue likes Wes Anderson movies. Go and listen to their, <laughs> go and listen to their shows. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't really have anything else to say except that it's okay if people think I'm weird for not drinking hot drinks. And it's okay if people think I'm heretic for watching the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, in the end, we all have to make our own choice and we all will stand before God and defend those choices. Although I don't, I don't really think it defense is the right word, but I think that the main thing is that we're using our agency in the best way we can. That's the moral of the story. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about are we individually doing our best? Because the rules might be a little different for me and you. Because we're not the same people. Right. <laughs>